The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so make sure to check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Pretty simple. It's right there for you. They have everything you need from a fantasy perspective, plus your general NBA content, your football, your baseball. It's a one-stop shop, so make sure you tune in one more time on Twitter, at SportsEthos Online, SportsEthos.com. Ladies and gentlemen, today is Tuesday, the 14th of June. We are now 10 days away from the NBA draft. We are now 17 days away from NBA free agency. And ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited, y'all. This is my time to get going. I am hyped. I am pumped. We had our first trade yesterday. We'll go into that in a little bit here. Uh, Just kicking off the season. Will Russell Westbrook go? Will DeAndre Ayton be signed and traded? Who is going to be picked number one by Orlando? All those are great questions. I do not have the answer right now. We'll get to that um, sometime in the upcoming weeks. But also, this is kind of big. We are now just two games away from the conclusion of the 2021-2022 NBA season. That's right. NBA 75 is rapidly approaching its end. Crazy. But here we are. Celtics and Warriors clashed last night. Celtics had a chance to make this a 3-2 series going back to Boston. Did they deliver? No, they did not. Golden State relatively cruising the second half to a 104-94 victory over the Boston Celtics. Thursday, they'll be playing back in Beantown to decide who will win it all. Whether you're going to, well, I guess it's not true because the side of Golden State will win it all in Boston or if there will be a Game 7 in San Francisco. That will be what Game 6 will decide. <laughs> Had myself lost there for a second. Uh, the Warriors did not get a traditionally good game from Steph Curry. You would imagine after 43 points, knocking down multiple threes, that Steph Curry has arrived. And this was the Curry we're going to see bombing away in Game 5 for Golden State. Nope. Just 7-22. Missed every one of his threes, not for lack of trying. 0-9 for 9 from out there. Still, 16 points, 8 assists, was a plus 15. If you're a Warrior starter and or uh, Gary Payton Jr., you finish in the positive because this was a game for you. But, yeah, Steph Curry, not a great game. Klay Thompson, marginally better. I mean, he's been shooting sub-40% so far. So 7-14, 5-11 from 3, 21 points, 3 boards. Not bad for Klay either, you know? Only one who could actually... Uh, get anything going from the great beyond for Golden State. They finished 9 of 40 from downtown. Obviously, Clay having five of those, big game for him, relatively speaking. Was it Draymond Green's game? Eh, I mean, the eight points started off the scoring with a rousing dunk. You thought, okay, here we go. There's Draymond coming alive. Finished eight points, eight rebounds, six assists. But he also fought out for the third time this series. So was it Draymond Green game? Not really. You know whose game it was? This was an Andrew Wiggins game. That's right. Andrew Wiggins. The one constant through Golden State for most of these playoffs. Going to give you that 15, 16 points. Those 8 or 9 rebounds came through again. Didn't make a 3. It was 6 from there. 
but he had 26 points, 13 rebounds, 12 of 23 shooting, was efficient, was aggressive from the opening jump, played great defense on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, got it on the boards, led the Warriors there again. Remember, game four, he had 17 points and 16 rebounds. And looking at Andrew Wiggins' stat line, I just described all of that in 42 minutes of, of play, uh, easily the Warrior who had the most minutes on the floor. I have to ask, is there a chance... As crazy as this may be, is there a chance that Andrew Wiggins could win the MVP award? Are there shades of 2015 Andre Godala here in action? I'm just asking. It's not been a great series for Clay. Steph Curry did go off in game four, but he's been, eh, pedestrian, I'd say. Draymond Green, come on now. We talked about his offense struggles already. Andrew Wiggins has been remarkably consistent. I'm just saying. It's right there for you. So far, looking at how he's played, is not going to blow your socks off, but, like, he's been a very valuable player for Golden State in this series as well. So far in these playoffs, 16 points, 7 rebounds a game, just under 2 assists, shooting, you know, 47% from the field, 34% from 3. It's solid. That's all you can ask for. I mean, you can ask for a lot more from an MVP, but that's all you can ask for right now, given the circumstances. I think Steph gets it. He's been just remarkable through most of these playoffs, but he's had some rough games. And the finals, traditionally, you know, Steph could have won an MVP here at some point. But I'm saying, if you want to make an argument for Andrew Wiggins, I don't think there is a non-zero chance that you could raise your hand and nominate Wiggins and not be laughed out the room. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. As crazy as it is, this game wasn't even for how this game wasn't even going to be most remembered for how well the Warriors played. This is gonna be remembered for how bad Boston played. Now listen, I get the fact that you are, you know, you had a rough game in game four, stuff got away from you down at the end, your crunch time offense just deflated and melted, whatever word you want to use for fizzling out, that's what happened. But, you know, I didn't expect the total disassemble that we saw in live action in real time from Boston. Yes, I think the refs made a a, a few egregious calls that did go in Golden State's favor that momentum-wise, emotion-wise, could have taken Boston out. But come on, nine missed free throws? Jason Tatum had two specific spots in the game where he went to line to shoot two and missed both. In fact, let's just run down the numbers for Boston. Uh, Jason Tatum, two of six from the free throw line, not great, minus 13. He led the way for Boston with 27 points, 10 boards, Four assists. You had 20 points from Marcus Smart. Uh, he knocked down three or six from three. You had 18 points from Jalen Brown with nine rebounds, but he did not shoot well. Five of 18 from the field, missed every one of his five threes attempted. Al Horford gave you nine and nine, but, I mean, he was there. Same for Robert Williams, who had 10 points and eight boards, but I didn't really feel those two as an impact on this game. Derek White, not a Derek White game. One point in 21 minutes, and that was really it. The rest of the bench gave you nothing, and you could tell because Jason Tam locked 44 minutes, Jalen Brown locked 44 minutes, and Coach Emo Doka said after the game, hey, I may have ran our starters a little too much, but our bench was giving us basically no production, so I had to do what I had to do. That's what happened. But Boston repeatedly shot themselves in the foot because you didn't just have those nine missed free throws across the board from guys who need to knock them down. Like I said, aside from the five and nine, um, aside from the two of six from Tatum, one or two from Al Horford, one or two from Derek White, uh, it was just it was just kind of rough. And all in all, twenty one of thirty one, which you can't leave points just sitting there. Think about that. If they made 
all that, that's 10 points right there. They lost by 10. Obviously, we know that's not how the game works, but just put that in your head to kind of contextualize what I'm talking about here. Just not super great. So, yeah. Um, the turnovers, they were a plenty. They were constant. It happened in the first half early, uh, right up until about the closing minutes of the second of the second quarter, and then it picked right back up, you know, at the end of the third, going into the fourth. Third quarter, Boston actually had a pretty good run, but turnover shot them in the foot, and the Warriors were able to keep it close and actually regain the lead. They had the lead going to half. Uh, Celtics came back, started off strong in the third. Golden State restored order at the end of the third, and by the fourth, you know, Boston fizzled out, like I said. It, it just wasn't great for Boston here. And they honestly have no one to blame but themselves. Because, yes, Tony Brothers was ridiculous. I, I, I thought it was genuinely baffling how some of Boston's players are officiated compared to Gold State's. How Draymond Green can get away with basically murder. And Marcus Smart, who had some moments of flopping, um, was called for some fouls that I thought were, at best, uh, ticky-tack. So I'm not sure what was going on there. It was very, very frustrating to watch and, and imagine how Boston was coming back. But also, I mean, what is the game plan when it comes to final minutes? Because, I, I don't know. Uh, Jason Tatum tried his Kobe impression. Unfortunately, it was more like 2015-2016 Kobe and not prime Kobe. It was missed turnaround fadeaways, drives into traffic with three four people. It was really unseemly. Like, it was just not great. Jalen Brown could barely keep hold of the ball, couldn't shoot the ball when he did have the ball. You know, other Celtics shrank away, and it really was just Tatum. And that surely wasn't enough. It was one of those games that at one point the Warriors were up 91-79. to And I was like, okay, I've seen enough. And it wasn't even because it was that big of a deficit. There's plenty of time for the Celtics to come back. But we had seen this song. We have seen this movie, heard this song too many times before. We know how it's going to run out. The Celtics playing the same type of late game execution that had not been helping them up to this point. They just kept going deep into that well, pouring out that horrible water, then they're going to find themselves some lemonade. It did not work, and they kept going. I'm like, you know, I don't really need to see all this. I did come back for a little bit. I mean, obviously, we see what we saw, right? All I missed was an Andrew Wiggins punctuation dunk to close it out for certain. So, I thought that was funny. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Going into game six, Boston obviously needs to figure out how to pass the ball, share the rock, and work to manufacture good offense down to close the games. The two wins that Boston have, that was something that was a hallmark of their victories. The three losses they've had so far, that's been a reason why, a big reason why, in addition to turnovers. You could also say that Boston, you know, shot horribly from three, and yeah, you know, they, they kind of did. Um, they, I think, missed their first 11 threes, but when it all averaged out, they actually shot better than Golden State. They shot 11-32 from three compared to Golden State's 9-40. for 40. But Golden State got better shots. Golden State worked the ball around. It wasn't uh, Steph Curry's night. So you find Klay Thompson, you find Andrew Wiggins more. You find the open guy, you make sure he's able to get his shots. Boston not able to do that. They go the same two guys, and then, you know, hope that you have a nice spot three from Marcus Smart every once in a while, or Al Horford, and both those guys weren't there. And that's a problem. So, I don't know. Do I think it's going to go game seven? Eh, I'm kind of leaning toward Golden State taking this. I feel the momentum's kind of shifted in a way that's irreversible for Boston. But I'm not going to, you know, write their uh, NBA obituary here right now. I'm not. It's very possible. That's why they play the games. That's why we watch, right? Uh, I am leaning more toward Golden State. It's like 80-20 right now. But, you know, I'll rewatch the game and come with my expert analysis. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to watch the game and have some fun with it. I'm not here to predict. Y'all know that. 
just breaking down what happened, what I see, what I like, what I don't like, and uh, yeah, let's just hope for the sake of a good basketball, the Boston comes back in a resounding victory in, in, in Game 6, and we get just a heck of a finish for a Game 7. That is what I'm rooting for, and, you know, <laughs> being that I'm rooting for is probably not going to happen, but that is the plan. Right, NBA news. We had a trade. That's right, we did. Oklahoma City Thunder, are you surprised? <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder and the Denver Nuggets agreed to a trade Yesterday, the Nuggets are trading forward to Michael Green and a protected 2027 first-round pick to the OKC Thunder for the 30th pick in this month's NBA draft and two future seconds. So, Denver Nuggets are going to get a 30th pick and two future seconds. The Oklahoma City Thunder are going to get Jamichael Green and a protected 2027 first-round pick. The Thunder now still have number two, 12 and 34 in this draft. So it's not like they didn't they were lacking for draft picks. They still have three. But now the Nuggets have numbers 21 and 30. So that's interesting. We'll see kind of where they go there. I like the fact that Denver is maybe looking for somebody um around that time with that number 21 pick. They probably have a target, but hey, this is where you're able to load up and if you can make a trade like that to kind of see a um player that you were looking for that can fill some gaps on your roster, then do that. And I like that, you know, Oklahoma City obviously had enough picks to, to to make that happen. And I think we can expect to see more of this in coming um, years for Oklahoma. But also Denver possibly being opportunistic. It's going to be very interesting to see who they select uh, in the draft now with this pick. Maybe it's a Marjan Bochamp, a Jalen Williams perhaps. You guys have heard Mock Draft 1.0 and 2.0 at this point. Bryce McGowan's, um, maybe even the Ty Ty Washington. Those are guys that will probably be in around that area. I would love if Patrick Baldwin Jr. was still there, just a 6'10 guy who could really shoot the ball, decent defender, and he had a horrible year in Milwaukee, but I don't think that was representative of his entire play style. I think it was injury, a horrible team. There's a lot of factors that go into that, so I would love a Patrick Baldwin Jr. there. But, hey, it's going to be exciting to see next week what the Nuggets decide to do. As far as OKC, uh, especially with Jamichael Green, I don't know. Uh, Jamichael Green is expected to opt in with $8.2 million salary for next season. Uh, he's expected to opt in this month, and that will ultimately finalize the deal. Uh, is he rerouted? You know, maybe Minnesota Timberwolves would definitely love a player of that ilk. Unfortunately, uh, for Minnesota to take him, they would have to send back a player with that matching um, number and salary to get that player. So that opens up a whole another can of worms for the Timberwolves, who are also reportedly shopping D'Angelo Russell. So some also something there um, to consider. We do have a few birthdays across the NBA and one in the WNBA that we're going to bring out here. First, let's talk about Sam Perkins. The great Sam Perkins is 61, played 17 years in the NBA, averages 11.6 boards per game. Uh, when I think of Sam Perkins, I think of the big three he made in the closing seconds of game one of the 1991 NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Bulls to close out that game. Well, I mean, Michael Jordan missed a game winner, potentially. But Sam Perkins, for all intents and purposes, closed out that game and gave the Lakers their only win of that series. Now, yes, James Worthy was playing on a bad ankle, and okay, I'm being a Lakers apologist right now. Uh, bottom line, Sam Perkins was ahead of his time as a true stretch big, uh, a player who could score on the inside, had a nice mid-range game, but could really bomb away from three. For his career, was a 36% three-point shooter um, and had seasons in 1995 and 1996 where he almost made uh, five a game. 
So the guy could definitely bomb away. Played from 1984 to 2001. So he went from banging, you know, with some of the older players in the NBA, from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to Shaquille O'Neal. Pretty crazy to think about. But Sam Perkins, who is now 61, happy birthday to him. Also, we have Bruce Bowen. Not the biggest fan of Bruce Bowen, but he's a three-time champ. Eight-time All-Defensive player, or eight-time um Eight times on the all-defensive team, rather. Uh, played with the Heat, the Celtics, the 76ers, but we know... Well, also the... Um, yeah, the Heat, the... I said the Heat already. Yeah. Heat in 97, Celtics 98, um, 76ers 2000, Heat in 2001, and then from 2002, 2009, he had himself a home in San Antonio where he won those rings playing alongside Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili. Uh, probably getting rid of some illegal dirty tricks on the defensive end of the floor, but definitely, you know capably holding down his position while also shooting just under 40% from three. Career average of six points, two rebounds, and an assist per game. Uh, played from 1996 to 2009. Again, best known for his contribution to the Spurs, was one of the wings that you did not want to play against. All those guys were interesting, playing that fine line of dirty and intense basketball. Well, not Tim not Tony or Manu, but Bruce Bowen, you know, your Robert Ory's, guys of that ilk. Yeah, nah, don't want to see y'all in between the screen. Let's just say that. We also have a few current players whose birthday fell today. First, we have Gabe Vincent, the three-year player who starts for the Miami Heat. The guard is now 26 years old, and you know what? He had a career year this past season. Eight points per game, just under two rebounds and three assists per contest. Shot 36% from the field on just under five threes a game. Really brought that tough defense and bought into that Miami Heat system. A nice young player who isn't even hitting his prime with, you know, several years to go. Really love the way he's improved year over year in Miami. Definitely a guy whose future is bright. And at 26, still a long way to go. So shout out to Gabe Vincent. Also, R.J. Barrett, the pride of the New York Knicks, the Maple Mamba, Broadway Barrett, the Duke of York, is now just 22. That's right, coming off a career year where he averaged 20 points per game, along with just under 6 rebounds and 3 assists a contest. R.J. Barrett is not even near his prime at just 22 years old. Uh, Stepped up his volume from 3, just needs to work on matching that efficiency. Um, and just really getting the efficiency from his outside shots in general. But you can see him gain more confidence uh, with each passing season, each passing year. And I really think the Knicks going into the offseason should really just find a point guard that can set the table for him without taking much away from him. And maybe find a better balance between him and Julius Randle. Because at the end of the day, yes, Julius Randle may be the more productive offense player right now. And that is very arguable in my opinion. But RJ Barrett is certainly his future. And one guy who is really, really stepping up in New York. So... Again, R.J. Barrett, happy birthday, just 22 years old, man, oh man. We also have one player playing for the Phoenix Mercury from University of Arizona, Bear Down. That would be Sam Thomas, who is now 23 years old. She hasn't had a whole lot of time in the W so far in terms of minutes, just seven minutes per game, uh, but someone who's high energy, uh, really earned her way in training camp with the Mercury, and I'm very, very excited to see Uh, how she continues to progress with the Mercury team that has now won three games in a row. So shout out to the Mercury. They were really, really bad um, to stop this year. (laughs) Like, I'm not playing with you. Uh, It wasn't pretty. But they have started to climb back. They were in the bottom 
or ranked near the bottom in both offensive and defensive rating, uh, ranked 10th in both categories just two weeks ago, and now they are 9th in defensive rating and 7th in offensive rating as they go to play the Washington Mystics tomorrow night. That is exciting. That will be on ESPN. Also, speaking of WNBA games, because we do have a few tonight, rather, not tomorrow, excuse me there, uh, the Mystics and Mercury play at 4 and the Storm and the Lynx play at 6, both games on ESPN. So definitely stay tuned for that. Going to be exciting matchups there in the W. All right, that'll do it here for me on Round Ball Ramble. Appreciate y'all rocking with me as always. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, online SportsEthos.com. So have some more content for you this week. Going to recap some WNBA action tomorrow. Going to go into the top NBA free agents as well. Got some draft stuff to get into. We're only just getting started with the NBA offseason, and I am excited. All right, y'all. Till tomorrow, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And I'll talk to y'all then. All right, y'all. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.